was the boogeyman. As a matter of fact, it was. guys and gals and welcome back to the we love horror podcast the podcast where we talk about anything and everything horror i am michael and today i have a very very special guest with me today um he is one of the people responsible for revitalizing and reinventing the horror genre i have very famous director eduardo sanchez here he's responsible for the classic Blair Witch Project, amongst many other classic films as well. So welcome, Eduardo. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I reached out to you, I reached out to you, I think, a few months ago and uh, messaged you and asked you if you wanted to come on. And it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah, he's probably not going to respond because I'm sure he gets messages like this all the time. And so when you actually, when I got the message from you saying that you were interested, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, this is happening. So I'm really excited. So thank you. But uh, I just want to, I guess I wanted to start by saying, uh, you know, you've been doing horror films for a long time. And I guess I just was curious, like what horror films inspired you growing up? Like what films did you watch when you were young that made you kind of want to become a filmmaker? Well, the the thing is, that, I mean, like like horror movie. I I I mean, I loved every kind of movie, but I wasn't really like a huge fan of horror movies, like because they scared me too much. So I sort of like once I got into my teenage years, I sort of steered away from them mostly. Um, but um, when I was, you know, when I was still kind of, you know, develop, you know, I guess before the teenage years. Um, I, you know, a Jaws and Amityville Horror and The Shining and, you know, uh, an Exorcist, I think, was just the scariest movie. Like it's because like to me, like my mom was like really religious, like not really super Catholic, but very like Christian. And, you know, I've said this many times, like when we watched Exorcist, we watched it in the, you know, when it came on TV for the first time, I guess in the late 70s. Um we we gathered around like a family. It was like a family event. Like, hey, let's watch The Exorcist. And so to us, it was more like a documentary. Like it was more like this, you know, uh, like my mom always used it as like this, you know, cautious kind of tale of like, look, you know, you if you mess with Satan, you know, this is what happens. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, from The Exorcist, which really kind of like, I mean, I wouldn't say scarred me, but definitely scared the crap out of me. Um, you know, there was other like, like, I love Bigfoot. I love anything about UFOs. Like I love when I was a kid being scared by that, um, but also being fascinated by it. So, um, you know, really like once the, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween and the slasher movies of the 80s. And um, I, I never liked that. Like, I didn't like the, you know, I mean, now I can appreciate them. But when I was back then, I just didn't want to, you know, watch those movies. Um but uh, so I kind of steered away from them. But, you know, you know, but I was, you know, always been a movie fan. And I think the movie that kind of, you know, broke it open for me really was Star Wars, as you know, a lot of people my generation like, um, you know, it was like just this crazy thing that you saw and it was everybody was talking about it. And it was like, the, you know, the biggest thing that was happening in, in, in my world, you know, my 10 year old world or nine year old world. And um, it was like. Um, you know, it, it really, the, for the first time I became, you know, kind of enamored with like how they made movies and just very interested in how they made movies, you know? So yeah. that's really what kind of got me into like, just thinking that, you know, maybe I could be a filmmaker someday. That's really awesome. Yeah. I, um, I like you, similar to you, I've kind of 
known that I wanted to do film at a very young age. I actually remember um, <laughs> watching the, the I'll, re- I'll never forget the first time I ever watched the Blair Witch Project. It was like much later in my life. Like I think I was like in maybe like sixth or seventh grade. So it was like way after um, the Blair Witch Project came out. Um, but I watched it with my friend and we were like terrified afterwards. And I just remember we felt so inspired after watching that movie. That was one of the, your film was actually one of the first films that um, I watched at like that young of an age. And it just like really like inspired me to, to make films as well. There were other, you know, there's other films in the horror genre that inspired me, but this one, like most of all, I just remember picking up like a video, like one of my video cameras and we just went and made our own like little cheesy Blair Witch film. It's not as good. It's not anywhere near as good as yours was, but (laughs) no, I mean, and that's, and that's really what, that's really cool, man, because I hear that a lot, you know, from certain people that like, um, you know, that the movie like inspired them and really like our movie, I think showed people that like, Hey, you know, you don't really need all that money and you know, you can, a cool idea and like some cool execution. You can actually make something, you know, that, that people want to watch. And, you know, these guys didn't spend any money and, you know, it was like the whole thing around it. And I think that inspired a lot of people. I mean, I mean a little bit like, kind of like when, um, you know, the first kind of uh, people like Spike Lee and Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith, like started making these films for like, you know, 5,000 bucks or, you know, 10,000 bucks, whatever. And, um, you know, it kind of inspired us, you know, uh, to kind of, oh my God, you know, you can do it. You don't have, you don't need like this crazy budget. And I think Blair Witch did the same thing where it was like, if these guys can do it, then maybe I can do it. But I, I love that. I love the idea that like, you know, um, my movie had, you know, something to do with getting people, you know, enthusiastic about anything, you know. So that was, yeah. you know, that's a, it's a, it's an awesome. I feel blessed to to be a been a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was, um, and I mean, this movie, even though I know um, that you know it's obviously not real now that I'm older, this movie still manages to just freak me out. It's still one of the movies like even 21 years or 24 years later. Wow. That's crazy to even say that. Uh, It's wild to think that this movie is that old. Um, But uh, even 24 years later, this movie still managed just to freak me out. Like I, I, if I, if I watch it, some, I like to put this movie on in a dark room and just like set the scene. Um, I would love, there's actually something I would love to do at some point where I would love to like get a project uh, projector and a screen and just go watch this out in the woods with like a few friends. That would be cool. Haven't had the chance to do that quite yet, but I would love to. Um, When they, when uh, the movie was released, um, they did a screening. One of the radio stations did a screening and I went to it and it was basically that exact thing that they had like a park. And they had a, a screen and they showed the movie and it was pretty cool, you know. But yeah, something like somewhere where you get really into the woods, like put a, put a projector. You're like, you know, I have wood. Actually, I could do it. I have woods behind my house. Um, yeah, just just creepy. I mean, and that's why I think a lot of people, you know, um, drive throughs kind of had a little bit of added a little bit of that. Not just to Blair Witch, but to other movies. I think that's why it's kind of fun to see horror movies in, in drive ins because like you're like. You know, you're outside, you're in the elements, you know what I'm saying? You're not in this, you know, um, you know, com- this cocoon of a movie theater or, or in your room, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. It feels much more tangible when you're out in like the open. You feel, yeah. you feel more vulnerable is, yeah, the, yeah, is yeah. the best word for it. But yeah, no, that, that would be really awesome to do that. But uh, speaking of the Blair Witch, uh, I guess what, what, how did the idea come about um, for you to, to do this movie first and foremost? Well, it was, you know, um, you know, like Bigfoot was like a huge kind of like my monster when I was a kid. And the, there's this thing called the Patterson Gimlin film, which is, you know, the, the, the famous footage of Bigfoot walking across, you know, the, the dry Creek bed. And um, that, which is like, you know, now years later, thinking back on it, that was like probably the first found footage movie if you want to call it a movie you know because you know you people still you know say that it's real whatever and there's you know both sides of of the argument whatever um but you know just the way they said it's like oh yeah it's found footage just it really happened you know like that was really the the precursor of Blair Witch you know um but so we were really into that kind of stuff and and Dan and Myrick and I who who I went to film school with and we were kind of just hanging out and we had just seen I think we had just seen Freddy's Dead 
um, uh, which was the Nightmare on Elm Street movie with um, with Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold, which you yeah. know, it was you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so, so Dan and I went back to to my apartment, in my little townhouse that I had, and I was like, man, why? You know, there's no you know, I haven't been scared in the movies in a long time. And we were, you know, cause we both shied away from, you know, slasher movies and they, and I, and I, and that, I feel those movies became more about the gore than about the scares, you know? Yeah. And, um, started talking about the movies that really kind of freaked us out. And we talked about Patterson Gimlin and we talked the legend of Boggy Creek, which is a kind of a pseudo documentary style Bigfoot movie. And we love that, you know, especially in search of like, we felt that like that show was like just creepy. So we went to the video store. This is like when they had VHS still. And um, we got like, you know, just VHSs of whatever the hell horror movies we liked as kids. I, you know, and I think we got Legend of Boggy Creek and we got um, a, you know, a couple of episodes of In Search of and and we, you know, played them and we were like, man, these move, this still freaks me out. Leonard Nimoy's voice and the music and just, and just the general setup, you know. And so we started kind of riffing on, you know, if, I wonder if you could do that to, you know, now, if you could do like a fake documentary. And so we came up with the idea of like, you know, what if it's like a, a, a documentary crew that goes into the woods, you know, trying to find something, some kind of legend or myth, some kind of myth. And they disappear and then their footage is found years later and we and we were like the whole like for us because we love the the 70s look you know we love that in search yeah. of like 16 millimeter you know shot on, on film look so our, our idea was that the the film had been this 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 documentary crew had disappeared like in the 70s and we find the footage like in the 90s and the footage is somehow still preserved like buried under you know it's still cool, cold, and you know the experts don't understand how this film survived, or whatever. Um, but it was more, you know, tangible. Like they had to take it to the developer, and you know, it was like a. But you know, we soon realized that that was going to be way too expensive to do like a period <laughs> film. Um, but but that was basically the idea, and I think we came up with the idea of like the house. Like imagine, you know, we were like imagine you know being a documentary, and you're just, just the cameras walking toward a house, and it's creepy, and it's dark, and you know you're going to go in there, and you can't escape, you know, there's no, yeah. so, you know, we, we, that was our first thing, the house and kind of like the crew. And then we put it aside. I mean, we definitely like thought about it and, you know, came up with more ideas and this and that, but we kind of, you know, I was already doing another feature and, and Dan was also doing a feature and we were just kind of busy trying to graduate from, you know, university of central Florida. And, uh, it wasn't until years later that we came back and started working on what we used to call the woods movie. Um, but yeah, there was a there was a gap of about you know four or five years in between the, the the idea creation and the actual starting of the of production. Yeah, and it's 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 so cool. I always tell people this all the time. I feel like the Blair Witch Project came out in the you guys made this movie at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, and it's like one of those films that you guys made that. I don't think can ever be replicated again. And that's kind of like the sad thing. Like I love, but I also love that because this movie stands apart from so many other horror movies because of just the phenomenon that it was yeah. when it came out. Yeah. Um, the fact that like it was advertised as like a real thing, you know, people, you know, I've read, I've read stuff online about how, you know, Heather, Heather's mother was getting like, you know, sympathy cards from people who actually thought that she disappeared and died in the woods. It's, it's like so wild to think about that this movie came around the time when internet was just barely becoming a thing. Yeah. So it was like, you know, people these days obviously can, you know, definitely do their research, like more research because the internet yeah. is so much more, you know, um, advanced. But back in that time, it wasn't, it wasn't as much advanced as it is now so it's just like it's wild when i think about how big of a thing this movie was when it first came out and i just love the creativity that you guys put behind it and how much you how much work you actually put into it to make it feel so real and i mean i even i even watch it today and i'm like wow this movie i I, even though i know in the back of my mind i'm like this obviously is just a movie it feels so real and i guess that leads to my next question is um, how are you, how are you guys able to invoke such realistic performances? Cause I feel like this movie, I watch this movie and it just feels, I think that's part of the reason why it still terrifies me and still gets under my skin is just because the situation feels so real. The characters feel real. Like 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, so, how did you guys do that? Well, I mean, it was like, you know, it was us and then the actors, you know, ability and also just their, uh, you know, th- their eagerness to be tortured by us, you know, like they really were open to it and they, they welcomed it. You know what I mean? Like I, I know none of them ever complained about anything. Um, it was very much like they, they knew what they had to do and they, and they did it, you know? Um, but you know, we knew that we were going to make, you know, we wanted it to feel like a documentary. So we were like, and the original movie was supposed to be like a straight up documentary. Like, like the footage was only going to be about half the movie. The rest of it was going to be like interviews with cops and detectives and family members. And, you know, the basic kind of thing of like, oh my God, they discovered this footage and, you know, audio and analysis of like the real reels. They were going to find messages and backwards, you know, uh, talking and stuff. And um, they were going to find images in the film. Like, oh my God, look what's in this, in this frame, you know, behind them or whatever. Um, So the first part, we, we, we we knew that the first part had to feel like these people really getting lost in the woods. So we knew that we were going to do a very much like an improvisational you know, kind of exercise out there, some kind of, you know, we knew we weren't going to write any of the dialogue. Um, You know, we had certain scenes and we had definitely like a plot, like, you know, kind of like, you know, the steps and how this, you know, they get lost and all that stuff. But everything in between was, you know, for us, it was like, you know, we just want the dialogue to flow and we want it to like kind of end in awkward places and start in awkward, you know, like, like real dialogue. It has to feel like real footage. Yeah. And um, we felt like, you know, we, there's nothing we could write that was going to, you know, you know, be able to have that. So, you know, be able to, you know, uh, give us that result. So we, we knew we were going to like do that kind of improvisational, but we were, you know, I think Dan and I, we, and, and Dan and I never really discussed it, but I was assuming that, and, you know, cause we never got to that point, but like the, the directing portion of it was going to be something like, I mean, we were going to basically like leave them out there for couple of hours at a time or do where we're like, like, all right, here's the scene. Now we're going to go over here and you guys do the scene and we'll come back, whatever. Um, so, you know, we definitely were, were going to like not shoot it like a conventional movie with like, you know, coverage and all that stuff. But then uh, our producer, Greg Hale, um, came up with the idea of like, you know, with a crazy idea of like, why don't we leave them out there? <laughs> you know, and we were like, leave them out there. And like, yeah, we, you know, we could feed them and we, whatever. And we give them the supplies and, you know, every morning, whatever. And, you know, and we could use a GPS thing that, you know, to tell them where to go. And this was like, you know, this was like mid, you know, late nineties. So it wasn't like GPS. Nobody had GPS on their phone. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in fact, the GPS uh, things back then had like an error rate, like built in because that the, the, um, because basically only the armed forces and, and airplanes could have like a GPS that wasn't because, you know, they were afraid that people were going to, I don't right. know, terrorism or whatever. They didn't want GPSs that were that accurate. Um, so we bought these GPS things and we mapped out the, the you know, Seneca Creek State Park where we were going to shoot it. And we basically like kind of led them day, you know, three or four notes a day through all the little obstacle course, you know, the obstacle course that we were creating, the emotional obstacle course that we were creating for them. Um, So he was the, you know, he really like kind of pushed us to like, you know, into a different level, um, you know, and I think he, you know, we pushed the actors and and again, they were willing participants and, you know, in this kind of completely experimental movie. Um, And, uh, so, you know, I think the, the what the realism comes from is that you really have these people stuck in the woods and there is this little, I think for them, not, you know, I'm not saying that they didn't trust us, but there is, I think there is this level of like, man, this could go wrong at any minute. Like, you know, even if these guys, if these guys are well-intentioned, you know, something could, somebody crazy could be out here or there could be a, you know, there's not, not really bears. I mean, it's, you know, but, but, you know, you never know you're in the woods at night, anything could happen. You know, there's, there was deer and there was, you know, there were kind of bigger animals out there. So you never know snake bite. I don't know, whatever. So, but you know, there could actually be a Blair witch too. You never know. And there could be a real, you know, demonic. (laughs) you know, yeah, there could be a real, you know, kind of spirit out there. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think the realism just comes from like a combination of like, obviously their ability. And, you know, we auditioned like almost a thousand people, I think, to find, you know, the three that we found. And, um, 
and I think just again, you know, the idea of like we had nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Like we were just we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we were making a movie that you know that we had, n- had never seen before, and so it was very much like an experiment and just kind of rolling the dice. You know, and we we all felt that. You know, we d- during it. You know, it was just a grand experiment that 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 worked. You know. Yeah, and I I think it's amazing the way you guys did it because from like what I what I know from uh, you know online and and from what I've heard you know from behind the scenes stuff like I think it's really cool that you guys just kind of left like certain things at certain points and you're like okay you're gonna do this on this day like you just kind of left little bits of you know information for the actors to go off of and then they would just they would paint the story from there which I just think is such a such a unique and interesting concept that I don't feel like has been done like before or since then. Like, I just feel like the way you guys did it from beginning to end is just so unlike any other film that I've ever seen. And I just think that's so, that's such an amazing thing. Um, and I guess like, as far as the actors go, what was like the audition casting process like? Cause I haven't heard too much about like what it was like to audition for this film. So I'd be interested to hear what that was about. Well, we, we put a, you know, we, we knew we were going to, this is obviously before, like, I mean, the, like you were saying, the internet was around, but there wasn't anything like, you know, digital magazines or yeah, it was very limited, no YouTube, no Facebook, there's no social media, you know? And, um, so we literally put like an ad in the, in the, in backstage, which was like really a magazine back then. I think it's, I don't know if it's still a magazine. I know that's an online thing, but I don't know if they actually do a real magazine, but we put an ad for basically, and it said, you know, improvisational feature film casting to be shot in the woods of Maryland, you know, um, for two weeks. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's, it's something about like, it's going to be difficult challenge, very challenging shooting situations or something like that. And then when, so we showed up to New York and, you know, this was like, you know, Dan, both Dan and I and Greg, excuse me, had had already made movies. You know, we had made a few, you know, a bunch of student films and a couple of features. So, you know, and we, you know, in our wildest dreams, we got maybe 20, 25 people to audition for the entire, you know, for all the roles in our movies. I mean, you know, you never had like lines around the block or anything like that, but we came into the, to the space and there was literally like a line going down the steps. And I was like, what the hell is this for? And we went up there and I was like, Oh, this is for your movie. And we were like, what? So it was like, kind of like it, ca- it captured the imagination of a lot of like, you know, actors in, in new, luckily in New York. And so we, we, we had like an information sheet that we gave everybody. And it basically said, um, you know, if you don't like camping, if you don't like being in the woods, if you don't like being uncomfortable, if you don't like sleeping in sleeping bags with strangers or whatever, don't audition because this is exactly what this movie is going to be. And um, and then we also told them that, like, be ready as soon as you walk into the door, into the room, the um, into the door would be kind of funny. Once you walk into <laughs> the room, um, the audition starts. So get ready for it. So basically what we would sit behind a desk and they would come in and I, you know, we'd have their head shot and I'd say, all right, so Mr. Johnson, uh, you've, um, you come to us and, you know, just, you know, sit down, you know, have a seat. We had a chair out in the middle of the room and, you know, you, you've come to this parole hearing and after serving, you know, seven years of a 15 year sentence. And, um, you know, we, we want you to, t- to talk about why we should let you go or whatever. And they and the people would like go right into it. You know what I mean? Like they'd have to make up their crime and, you know, how they their persona in the in the jail, you know, just all this stuff. And we kind of and we, we would pepper them with a couple of questions. And then we'd switch to something completely different. Like an, another thing we use was like, um, hey, you know, congratulations, a perfect 10, you know, in the, or I don't know if it was diving or, or gymnast or whatever, you know, how do you, you know, in the, in the whatever Olympics, how do you feel? How are you feeling? And they would be like, oh my God, I can't, you know. So, you know, just kind of testing the people and, and, um, you know, a lot of people didn't get it. A lot of people were like, just, they're like, is this the audition? You know, is this supposed to, you know, um, so, you know, so we just kind of weeded the people out and we actually had a, a, a group of pretty good actors, you know, like we 
I mean, I, you know, we, we definitely got lucky that we ended up with, you know, Heather, Mike and Josh, but I feel that like we did have a little bit of depth where maybe it would have worked out if, if, you know, if, if some of them hadn't made it or whatever, but you know, I, you never know the magic might have not worked. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. but again, we got really lucky that we got those three. Um, but we got a good little group and we just would do callbacks and we would switch them out and kind of, you know, different combinations. And we just felt that like we cast Josh first because he just kind of like, um, Josh was a longer story. It's a longer story. He like, uh, not pestered me, but he <laughs> got my phone number and my email and because at the because because is a lot is a lot try to make it a short story but it basically we were we were supposed to start auditioning it it, we're supposed to shoot the movie in 1996 so we put got a little money together and we went and and did some auditions in in new york and i think dan did some in in la and somewhere orlando but it got to the point where we hadn't raised the money and so we got a good little collection of people but we yeah. didn't raise the, the money, so we're like, all right, let's just, you know, got to do it next year because, you know, we were kind of – had to be a, a certain time of the year. couldn't be, you know – and also, you know, we were like, you know, uh, still struggling, you know, how the hell are we going to raise this money, you know, even if there, it was nothing. Um, but Josh couldn't attend those auditions, but he got my information, and he was like – I think he came and met me there. He's like, man, I can't audition because I'm working right now, and I got to – but – I want to keep in touch. I love this pro this thing, whatever. So he just basically every couple of months he would call me and he would send me packages with him. You know, he said he's a cameraman and he really thought he would be perfect for this movie and all this crazy stuff. And then, so we kind of became friends. And then when we get, went back in 1997, again, back to New York to do the finishing auditions and do some callbacks, he showed up and he was just amazing. Like he was Dan and I looked at each other. We're like, all right, we got one of them, you know, because I think yeah. he just, you know, was and and what and I, I and it wasn't only that he, we that I knew him. It was just that you know he was just I don't know there's something about him, something kind of electric about him, you know. So we started putting him against other people, and then Heather just kind of like, you know, we had a, we had a few um, actresses that were like really really impressive, and they were all good with improv, and they all had you know. I, we, I think all of them could have worked to a certain extent, but Heather was the only one that like freaked us out. Like, yeah. like she went to these places where we're like, Oh my God, if she's freaking us out in this, in this, you know, hot, you know, rehearsal space in New York city, imagine what it's going to look like in the woods and uh, oh. with video shaky video. And, you know, um, and then Mike was like really super talented. Like we just loved his, and he just, he felt like the best kind of in between Josh and and Heather. You know, he was like a different enough, had a different energy, but still really interesting. And um, and you know, and he was the sound guy, so he was going to be sort of a. We we always thought of him as sort of a supporting character. You know, even though they both they're all kind of you know they really is co leads really. Yeah. Um, but Mike was supposed to be the one that disappeared in the movie. Like we always had it planned that the sound guy was going to disappear. And then when we started shooting the movie, Dan and I were like, I think we should take Josh out. You know, what do you think? And then we were like, yeah, yeah, we should take Josh out. And we so we took pulled just, just to give them the actors a little surprise and to give just a little, you know, it just felt right. But, um, yeah. you know, we I've said this a million times, man. We we got really lucky in in so many ways on Blair Witch and and the you know, the number one way we got lucky is that we hired those three actors, you know. Oh, they're perfect. Like, yeah. I, I know that you, I know that you just said that there were so many other people that you guys auditioned that you considered for the part, but I feel like this is one of those movies where, you know, obviously I don't know the people you auditioned before that. So, but it's one of those things where it's like, I can't imagine anyone else playing these roles. Like these characters are just so good. And, you know, what you said about Heather is like, so, cause I think the whole ending scene of this movie is so like scary, not just because of, you know, what we're seeing on film, but because of how realistic like Heather sounds when she's terror, like her screams at the end. Oh, gives me chills every time I watch this movie. Like it's, just, yeah, you guys casted it perfectly. And I love, <laughs> I love the audition, the process that you guys did for the audition too, because I just really feel like it shows the level of, you know, um, 
talent that some of these people had with improv because improv is hard. It's yeah. one thing. Like, I feel like it's one thing to like read a script and, you know, get your lines down. But if you have to like improvise something completely off the top of your head, that's like a whole different thing. So well, I, it's, it's a, it's a different skill set because I think that there's like really great actors that, you know, and, and it's, and it's different improv where like, it's not comedic improv where you're trying to, it's basically improv to try to sound natural. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a lot of actors, it's impossible. Like they, there's this kind of, they, you know, they, they start acting. Like that was one of the biggest things we learned in the audition is like, all right, he's acting or she's acting. You can tell she's acting. Like the whole idea is to look like you're, you know, that you're look real, but you're really acting. You know what I mean? So it was that perfect kind of combination. And, um, you know, and they just nailed it. You know what I mean? But, but yeah. that's what it was. It was not just the improv. It's, it's the ability to like, and sometimes the best improv is just shut up. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, just sit back and let the other people take it or let the moment be quiet. And that's what I loved. There were so many great moments in Blair Witch that we, you know, we had Dan and I edited the movie and we had like, you know, 20 hours of footage or whatever. And we were able to like edit this, these performances and like really hone them and like move scenes around. And we really like really directed more of the movie in the edit than we did, you know, on location. Um, but they gave us so much stuff to work with. You know what I mean? Like, again, like quiet moments, like one of the best things of improv, the best improv is just shut your mouth. You don't have to, you don't have to keep talking though. Somebody doesn't have to be talking all the time. That doesn't happen in real life. You know, Yeah. there's just, you're just walking through the woods and you're just not just quiet, you know? Um, but yeah, we, we, again, we did knock on wood. We, we, we lucked out. Yeah. You, and also, uh, not just the actors themselves, but the, the entire film, like there's just certain things that you guys got so right. And I know, I, I don't know if that's partially for like budgetary reasons or just, cause I know that there were a couple of times where you're supposed to see certain things and it just didn't work out that way, but I love that it didn't work out that way because yeah. there's just something so scary about your imagination and like what your imagination can cook up as opposed to actually seeing something on screen. So like, I always hear about the story about, you know, when they're running out of the tent and yeah. Heather's like, what the fuck is that? And you're, you're, you know, I, I heard that you guys were supposed to pan over and you're supposed to see, you know, someone yeah. standing on top of like a hill or in the trees yeah. or, and that I guess that shot didn't work out for you guys, but it's, it's so much scarier to imagine what Heather's seeing because her reaction is scarier than the actual, what, what we're seeing, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you're right, man. Because I think that like, and, and again, like, you know, um, that's another thing that, that, um, that was so super lucky and super serendipitous about Blair, Witch is that like the, the, the fate, the gods of film or whatever, like actually steered us away from directing when, you know, when we should have not directed, you know, when we should have stayed away and that's, and, and, or, or like, again, like, we weren't like good enough filmmakers to, to, to properly expose that guy that we had running next to Heather. Like we just technically, we didn't know how to expose it. And we thought we did. Yeah. And we thought, and then at the end, you know, it was very disappointing to us. Like, Oh man, it didn't come out, whatever, but you're right. And, and, and but there, and there's so many moments in Blair Witch where like, um, you know, just the, 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 the idea of us like screwing up what actually made the movie better. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the entire thing was like an experiment, you know, and, and, and just the, the, the big thing, you know, the, the, even the final idea of like the fact that it was supposed to be a documentary, we ended up just like scrapping that idea in the last minute, you know, and it was very much like the movie was like being like born, like almost on its own. You know what I mean? It was just like kind of guiding us and, you know, we were like mindless drones, but it was crazy. It was, a, it was amazing experience, you know? Yeah, and that's wild. They had twenty two hours of footage to go through because that's a lot. That's a lot of editing. I don't, who from an editor like because I edit stuff as well. So from like an editor standpoint, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a nightmare <laughs> to narrow it down to an hour, hour and a half, twenty two hours of footage. I just it wow. Was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yep. Sounds like a very daunting task. Um, so I have a couple of actual like really fun questions that I also wanted to ask you. Um, so. I know there's obviously no Blair Witch. The Blair Witch is obviously a fictional character, but when you guys were out in the woods, did anything, do you guys have any spooky stories that actually happened to you guys were out there? Because personally for me, 
this movie well i was terrified of the woods before this movie came out i've always been scared of the woods yeah, i i'm one of those people that i'm like i don't fuck yeah, with the woods yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> unless i'm out there and like a with a bunch of friends and like a nice cabin or something you're not yeah. catching me out there like there's just not oh but um i guess what i what i wanted to ask is did anything actually creepy or unnerving happen to you guys while you were out there filming um no i mean uh no not really man it was weird because like a lot of people asked that um especially like when we were at that house at the end which was you know a real house that had you know been around for a long time and you know you are obviously there's a lot of probably people a lot of people probably died in that house you know just because it's such an old house or whatever but yeah um and we were like all like um you know, it was like, especially me, I was like, any minute, you know, I'm going to see something, I'm going to feel something. But no, you know, the only thing, and then in the woods, you know, it, there was moments where you were like, uh, sometimes you're standing alone and you're waiting, you know, like are, we were waiting for something, waiting for the actors to something to happen. And you're standing there and you start freaking yourself out. That's what I do all the time. Yeah. This movie, and this movie was like birthed on a lot of it motivation also came from just you know and dan the same way but just like being scared at, at you know while camping you know like just being in the woods in the tent and you're like what the hell are we doing out here and you hear something and you're like oh my god what is that just those terrifying moments of like helplessness you know yeah um, but um i feel that like the 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 you know the, the the gods were shining on us and like protected us but the only time is that when in the and it wasn't really anything supernatural it was more me freaking myself out but like we were at the house and i was in the cellar you know and and um this was like a few weeks probably before we started shooting and it was just i was just like really deep and like okay how's this gonna look and i also just trying to figure out because we never we didn't know what was gonna happen in the in the cellar yeah um we didn't come up with that until like three days before we shot it so there was this thing of just like me kind of just brainstorming and i was like just really in depth like in that place and the sun started setting and i realized that that i there was people all over the house you know just kind of checking it out and you know making sure you know what, what we're gonna have to fix what, you know the graffiti we're gonna have to put you know cover all that stuff but um i eventually like I, I came kind of was in this in, you know, kind of concentrating and I kind of came to and there was no sounds from the house, like nobody was upstairs. And I realized that it was kind of dark and I like, you know, I don't know if it's something I felt, but I just never very few times that I felt that fear. Um, and I just had to like scramble out of there. But, you know, the you know, what's weird, though is that the only other time that I felt that fear was that same kind of fear where like there's something like behind you, like you just like you feel yeah. like it's about to touch you was when I was in um, again by myself editing that the scene in the house. And I um, I was alone in the editing, you know, in our little offices and basically Dan would edit during the day and I would edit, you know, later into the night. And I was probably like two or three in the morning and I'm editing this, this freaking house scene, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, it's a creepy ass scene, man. Like, especially, you know, editing it, you're like, you just start freaking yourself out. And I started feeling like immediately freaked out. And I like turned the computer off and I was like out of there, like literally running <laughs> to my car. Like yeah. five minutes, like a couple, like two minutes after I felt that, like I was just like, I just turned everything off and had to secure the house, you know, the, the office and turn off the computers and this and that. But I was gone so quickly. And that's funny because I never connected until now that that was the, that fear was in the same two places. I mean, same place yeah. physically in one, you know, I was watching on video, but maybe there was something in that house, you know, that, that kind of, you know, somehow got into my head or, you know, I don't know. Something. yeah that's that's kind of spooky like you just yeah. kind of snapped out of it and then there was like no one you didn't hear anybody and yeah oh, I just realized, oh my god i haven't there's nobody upstairs and there's nobody around and and i actually even said something like i don't know i was 
with somebody. I actually called somebody and nobody answered. I'm like, oh, well, that's know, spooky. Get, get me the hell out of here. You that's know? spooky. Yeah, they um, found you. They found you downstairs in the corner. Is where they found yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was in the corner, freaking out. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was that was. Uh, but no, I mean, it was, and we, you know, again, nobody got hurt. This could have been so many things that you know went wrong. That could yeah, have wrong, but they went. They went. You know, they were great. So it worked the, out. The, like you said, the filmmaking gods were shining down on you guys. <laughs> Indeed, man. Indeed. Um, so another fun question I kind of have is, so I don't know if you've heard all of these like wild, I love getting into like wild theories about this movie because I've seen multiple like YouTube videos of people trying to explain like what the Blair Witch is mm-hmm. or like, you know, because you never, you never see the Blair Witch in this film. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I also love that was another reason why I love the fact that you never see anything because it, it kind of leaves the viewer wondering if it's like up to interpretation, like what actually happened out there. Like, did these people go crazy? You know, did these people really just get lost and, you know, kind of just go crazy from not being able to find their ways, their way out? Um, you know, I've heard theories about it being like a wen- like a Wendigo or a skinwalker, which, yeah. you know, is the most to me is the most like if it's not the Blair Witch it makes most sense that it'd be a skinwalker or a Wendigo because they can Im- imitate voices. So like maybe that's what it was that was imitating Josh, but the wild, no, the most wild theory I've heard. And I, I don't know if you've heard this theory, you probably have, but the, the theory is, is that Josh and Mike lured uh, Heather out there to kill her themselves. And they like set this whole thing up. And I've heard that's that's the wild, most outlandish theory I've heard. But I'm like, it does have some gravity to it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, and that's what you know, like when Dan and I, um, you know, came up with the idea, you know, we're talking about it, coming up with the plot and everything. Like it was very much for us. It was like we don't know how to answer all the questions because, like, we feel like especially in horror in horror movies like when you learn too much it loses the you know the mystery of course you know it's like the reason why i think people still love and are freaked out by ufos and by bigfoot is that we still don't know what i mean what it you know we haven't found a bigfoot and been oh it's just an ape that escaped or whatever or or ufos you know or government you know we have they haven't been proved like what they are you know i'm saying so there's still this mystery so we always feel that like if you give away too much, you kind of lose the mystery and it becomes like more everyday yeah. kind of, you know, it becomes more science than, 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 you know, faith and supernatural stuff, you know? So, yeah. um, so we love the idea that people are like coming up with, you know, that, that different theories. I mean, I think that if you think about it, yeah, I think Josh and, and Mike, it, it could have been, um, you know, that, that could have been possible. But for me, it's like, you know, the, you know, Blair Witch to me is like, it's a supernatural movie and that's, and there's proof in the movie that it's supernatural. You know, there's, yeah. even if you say, you know, for us, it was like, you know, the idea that like, um, you know, if you know your Blair Witch mythology, the house that they're in burned down in the 1940s. So yeah. like they couldn't be in that house. That house was in some other weird dimension or something. And obviously in the, in the movie, no, you know, they don't say, Oh, we're in Rustin Parr's house. And you know, Oh my God, the corn, but you do get clues early on that, you know, that this thing happened with in this basement and whatever. And um, so, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, if you've been paying attention, you know what this house is and the fact that it was, you know, burned down in the forties doesn't make any, you know, so basically they're traveling into time or some kind of, so there's something supernatural about it. Yeah. But I feel that like it, you know, it like, and like you were saying, you're the skinwalker or Wendigo, somebody that can shape shift or whatever, or, you know, or, or like talk in other voices. I mean, that's absolutely like, to me, there's no, the Blair Witch can be anything like it's not, yeah. and Blair, it's not even called the Blair Witch. Like the, you know, the native Americans called it something else before Blair was, you know, the found the township was founded, you know? So, um, you know, there's always been, it's to, to, I think for Dan and everybody, all of us involved to me, it was like, to us, it was like, there's something weird that happens in this area and there's some kind of supernatural presence and it's been messing with people the, the Native Americans learned long ago to not mess with this area. <laughs> yeah. uh, the dumb, the dumb white, you know, European settlers, 
you know, the, the, the Native Americans probably warned them like, hey, maybe you shouldn't, you know, get the hell out of here. So they basically got on that land and look what happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then this other town was founded, you know, they're like, you know, so they're like asking for it. You know, you're asking for it, you know? Yeah. And um, so to me, it's like it could, that that thing that it's in the woods could be anything. You know, it could be, you know, I, I know some people, you know, like at the, the, the 2016 movie, which, you know, I really liked because I felt yeah. that like even people are always asking, like, you know, didn't did it piss you off that they kind of introduced, you know, weird things that contradicted your mythology or, or things? What And I'm like, no, I mean, that's that's all it's all it's all about just kind of contradicting each other and that's what that's what makes it cool is that there's no like there's no real proof you know the timeline is always shifting and the reasons for the things are always you know it's anything can happen in those woods and i love that that movie kind of took that and you know ran with it um but um so for me it's like you know any you know there's something weird going on but the idea of like mike and josh going there and somehow, for me, it's like if they were involved, then obviously something took them over and started messing with them, and was like, and and got to the point where like, yeah, let's let's take Heather. And even, you know, you you only see three people out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Heather, Mike and Josh are the only ones out there. Now you you hear other things and whatever, but you never see anything else. So for me, it's like, okay, Josh, uh, Mike is in the corner. Heather is holding the camera because we can hear her. The person behind her probably Josh. Yeah, know? I mean, it's, you know, if if you're just gonna keep it to those characters, it's got to be Josh. He's the only one that was left. You know. Yeah. But again, what what's up with all the silence right after that happened? Like no whimpering and no just Mike completely like disappears. Heather yeah. completely disappears, and whatever hit the thing hit her disappears. So, you know, for us there was this definite like kind of like let's make something supernatural you know without showing it and like you when you and and you were talking earlier about like the budget constraints like we definitely would have screwed this movie up if we had like you know a real budget (laughs) we would have had some kind of tentacled creature or something at the end like ah you know grabbing them or whatever and we 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 had a lot of those ideas about like seeing you know like uh, you know like a a horse leg in the shot for a second or somebody scurry away or you know we had all these stupid ideas but um, you know, but definitely something supernatural is going on now, whether how, whether Josh and Mike were, you know, responsible, or whatever. Yeah, it's quite possible, quite possibly true, you know? Yeah, there I've just yeah, I've just been hearing so many like wild theories. And I was like, I just wanted to bring that up to you to see what your interpretation on it would be. Um, yeah. And honestly, I like I said before, I think less is more with this film, really. I, I really do enjoy the 2016 film as well the the yeah. sequel um oh, it's intense man oh yeah but what i think i found myself going back to your film more so just because of the simplicity because i i do like the 2016 version but i think my only issue with that was is i just felt like it showed way too much like we you know i like that we finally get to see what this thing looks like you know but i also kind of was like uh, i don't know i kind of like the whole simplicity simplicity aspect of you not yeah. seeing what it is you no, know but I, no it makes i mean it makes total sense man that's why like you know most you know horror books are better than the movies or at least scarier than the movies you know yeah um you know like i remember reading i don't know if you ever read the book communion which was about you know ufo like abductions but the book just and the movie's pretty good. I mean, the movie just, you know, it just can't. And again, there's like something about horror writing and just the idea of like, <clears throat> it's the psychologically that you're like reading the words and creating all the imagery in your head is scarier than anything anybody can show you. So the idea yeah. of like making a movie, anything you show is going to be disappointing to somebody. You know what I mean? So I think you're right. There is this level of like, I mean, you know, obviously there's some movies where you're like, Oh, I want to see the creature. I want to see this, whatever. But like, I think that, you know, the, the thing about Blair Witch is that, yeah, you never, you never see anything and you're kind of left to kind of create what is in there. So, and, you know, and again, I, I like the 2016 movie too. Um, but you know, I think they were just trying a different thing, you know, just yeah. to trying to try something a little bit different with this. And I think it was, it wasn't, I like the fact that it was done tastefully. It wasn't like 
a full on CGI extravaganza where you yeah. know people are flying, you know, just ridiculous <laughs> looking. St- I mean, it kept a very, it was very grounded, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that like you know, so I thought it was well done. Um, but yeah, there is something obviously with just keeping it in your head and like you know, letting the audience kind of fill in the gaps, you know. That yeah, there's just something about. And, you know, I've said <laughs> I, I, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, but there's just something about every time I watch the original Blair Witch Project, I just I don't know. I sit with this feeling afterward where I just like feel I don't know. And it doesn't it like doesn't last super long. But I do like if I'm in that situation where I've turned off all the lights in the house and I'm like kind of sitting there just like absorbing this film, it really does like stick with me for a minute, even though I've seen it a million times at this point, this movie still, I don't know, manages to get under my skin. And I just think that's such a testament to how, you know, hard you guys worked on this film, how, you know, what a phenomenon it was when it came out, you know, all the dedication that you guys put into it. I just, I just really love, I really love this film. And I, I actually really love a lot of other things you've directed as well. Um, I also have seventh moon down here, which is a very underrated film. I don't feel like many people talk like I, not yeah. anybody in my circle has like talked about that movie. I love that movie. I thought oh, thanks, like, man. yeah, you're welcome. I thought it was a great movie. Um, your VHS your direction in VHS um, yeah, is one right of my favorites. Se- yeah. That was one of my favorite yeah, yeah, segments. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. That was yeah. You, yeah. And you've, you've directed episodes of some of like really great shows as well. Um, Thanks, so yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just amazing to see you continuing to do what you love and, you know, doing it extremely well. So yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. And I mean, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm nervous. It's like, no, no problem, man. No, I like, mean, look, it took, a, it took us a while to get together. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. We, we've been like trying to get together for many months now, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. glad, uh, I'm glad we got together and it was a fun interview. And any, you know, call me back anytime, man. Good, good. Yeah, I'm um I'm glad cuz I'm pr- I I was worried that you might be pretty like sick of doing. I'm sure you've probably done so many interviews. You know, dude, I mean, and I and I, I should have said this earlier, but like cuz you know, cuz it, it would have made you maybe a little more. I mean, cuz you were fine, dude, but I but honestly like um people ask me that all the time like, "Are you sick of talking about Blair Witch?" and I'm like, "You know, like we you know, like you were saying, we, we, this movie came out 24 years ago, like if you want to talk to me about my movie that came out 24 years ago, like who am I to like not want to talk to you about it? You know what I mean? So like right. anybody, I get approached like on when I'm on set, like just people are sometimes, Hey, you know, I love Blair Witch. You want to, you know, and, and then they're sometimes they're surprised when I talk about it so much. And it's like, look, I'm super proud of it. And I feel like so blessed that I was a part of it, you know, and I know that it was like super collaborative and, I, I still love all the people that were involved in the movie and I still try to keep in touch with everybody. Mike Williams, like the one is, has been, I'm producing these like little movies here in Frederick and he's already been in two of them. Yeah. Um, Josh and I were texting last week, you know, he lives in, uh, in New York and I'm trying to get up there to, to visit him. And, um, you know, and Heather and I chat every once in a while on just on, on uh, social media, but and, and, you know, and again, Dan, I just did a podcast with Dan. Greg is still my partner, you know, like everybody that, that, you know, it, it you know, I still have this kind of family feeling. And I just feel so blessed that I was a part of it, that, that all these people came together and built this thing and, and that people like you are still, you know, interested in it. So like, no matter how old it gets, um, you know, if you want to talk to me about Blair Witch, I'll talk, <laughs> I'll talk to you about Blair Witch. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, um, I said this at the beginning, I just feel like this film really, you know, not only helped revitalize the genre, because I feel like in the late 90s, you know, you have Scream, you have the Blair Witch Project, I feel like all these films um, really revitalized this genre and really inspired a new generation of, of filmmakers, you know, like myself and, you know, other people that really want to, you know, make break new ground and make films similar to what you guys did. And I just feel like that's such an inspiring thing. So my last question that I have for you is, you know, any advice that you can give to, you know, any up and coming filmmakers that are interested in doing not just horror films, but I guess just film in general. Yeah. I mean, you know, it depends on, you know, what, like, you know, what you want to do. Like if you want to be a writer director, then write and direct, um, 
you know, start with short films. If you ever get a chance to do a feature at any capacity, do a feature, obviously. Um, you know, if you're going to work, you know, the, the bottom, the big thing, though, that I tell everybody is like, just be cool. You know, like, um, you know, learn to collaborate. Like, I think that a lot of, especially me when I was going into film school or going into like, you know, when I went from high school to college, there was like this competitive edge of like, I want to be the best. And the same thing with film school. I think that when you're young, you kind of have that attitude. Um, But I think that like, you know, the reason I'm here talking to you is that I met these guys in film school and we formed bonds and we formed creative ties. And Dan and I came up with this idea and then Greg Mike and Rob came and helped us make it, you know, and these are all UCF people. So, um, you know, learn to collaborate and learn to like see other talent and other people. And, and maybe if you're not a great writer, ask somebody who you think is a great writer to maybe write something or collaborate. And if you're not a great director, then learn from, you know, try to find a good director and learn from them or whatever. But, and just realize that like, you know, um, everybody wants to be a writer director or a producer, but there's so many great jobs in, in filmmaking, you know, like, yeah. and, there's, and I think everybody starts off with this, like, I want to be the next, you know, Quentin Tarantino or Steven Spielberg, but somewhere along the line, you realize, you know, this is kind of fun too. This other thing is because, you know, everyone, I, I do a lot of television and like everybody loves, no matter what position it is, like, you know, it could be anything people love to work on in this business. And I think yeah. that like, you can find something that's creatively challenging and like, you know, fulfilling and um, it doesn't have to be writing and directing, but if you're going to do that, then write and direct, you know, do short films, you know, write stuff, keep working at it, have people read it, you know, um, don't be afraid to take notes, um, you know, just kind of keep working it. And um, you know, you'll find something, you know, you know, find what you're good at and and try to you know exploit it you know yeah uh, you know and just uh and again be cool like just be respectful of people's time and be on time and you know don't treat people like you know like, you know treat people nice man i mean it goes so long and it's and it seems like so obvious you know a, a form of it you know an advice like yeah, just be cool but it's like there's so many people especially in this business that are yeah. just like what's the matter with that person? Like, why are they, you know, why make things so difficult? Like, this is just, you know, so, and then people, they do it. They appreciate when you're cool, you know, they appreciate when you're respectful and you don't waste their time. And, you know, um, but yeah, just, and, you know, and, and especially now when you're young, do what you want. Like, don't try to copy what you saw at the movie theater. Like try to come up with a story that like, talk you know speaks to you and from your heart and do something small and do something unique you know what i mean this is the only time in your career that you're going to be able to do whatever you want once you start getting paid you know you're going to have to start getting you have bosses and you know even the great filmmakers have bosses you know like there's limits that you can do and story things and oh there's always little compromises that you have to do so um you know, right now is when you're young, you're your own boss, do what you want to do, do something crazy, you know? Um, but anyway, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, but yeah, speaking of like ideas, I kind of had, um, an idea that I, I've been, I've been stewing on for almost three years, actually, since I started this podcast. Um, and I wanted to kind of run it by you and see what you think, but I kind of had this idea where I wanted to do a Blair Witch Project episode at some point in the near future, and I kind of wanted it to kind of go with the same gimmick that you guys did where uh, me and whoever I have on on the episode, we went out into the woods to record the episode, and then we go missing and all that kind of thing, and then our, our audio is found or something like that. I just thought that would be kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, tapes are found a year later or a month later. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. I mean, you know, dude, I mean, people love that stuff, man. You know, just be creative and, and uh, have fun with it, you know? That's the, that's the number one thing, man, is especially when you know, to, to the younger people, like just have fun, man. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I would, um, I would love to have you on again in the future. If yeah, man, any... email. you got my email, so email me, I'll, I'll be on for sure. Yeah. I would love, I would love that. Um, and thank you. Thank you again for coming on. This has been sure. an honor. And no, it's fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, 
And yeah, that was our episode, guys. And uh, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, Eduardo? Um, I mean, I ha- I'm Twitter on uh, uh, my handle is Sanchez on the mic, which is stupid, but you know. And then on <laughs> Facebook, like Hacks and Films, H A X A N Films has there's a uh, there's a Facebook group, and that's kind of where we do all our you know kind of social media stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm not really much of a of a of a social media guy, but I, but I am on there and I answer questions and I love, I love the, I love the interaction with the fans, but I don't post yeah. very much stuff. I just kind of, I don't, I don't think people give care about, you know, it just goes dumb, you know, sometimes posting stuff about yourself. So. Yeah. I remember, I remember when you responded to the DM, you were like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to, but just email me. Cause I'm not on here very much. Yeah. No, no, just yeah. Email me then, and also it becomes more like official, like, okay, these are things I have to take care of. So. Definitely. Um, well, cool, man. But dude, Michael, man, thanks for having me, man. It was really yeah. fun. Yeah, thank you so much for thanks for coming on, and I really appreciate. It. Can't wait to collab with collab with you more in the future. So yeah, man, anytime, man. Let me know. Yeah, um, and you can find me at the We Love Horror Podcast. I'm on Instagram. I have a TikTok. I also have a YouTube channel called Anything and Everything Horror. And if you guys want to check me out on there, check me out. Uh, check Eduardo Sanchez out also. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. See ya.